Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn with me to Mark's Gospel. Uh, We're going to look at Mark chapter 10. If you remember last week, we looked at the lessons about the Mosaic law and the commandments of God and the description of who can and who cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then, in the passage we're going to read now, up steps this young man with a question about the kingdom of God. So let's read this passage together, Mark chapter 10, and I'm starting to read at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for this privilege we have to meet together in this way, and we can meet around your word. And Lord, as we do this, we ask your blessing upon us, that you will just lead us through this passage by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might hear your words. Because we ask these things in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Right, so Mark chapter 10, let's just remind ourselves of those first few verses. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So first of all, this man was eager to meet Jesus. And he recognised Jesus as being a teacher. And he also acknowledged the superiority of Jesus' teaching. For him to be aware of these things, he must have either heard Jesus speak 
or at least have gained some serious information about who Jesus was and what he was doing and what he was saying. This man was young, intelligent, good living, wealthy. But his question revealed that he knew that there was something missing in his life. He had no assurance of his position before God. Now, I'm sure that there are many people who feel like this young man did, especially among those who have found fame and fortune, but still experience a lack of assurance and have a, a feeling that something is missing in their lives. They can't find that in the words of the, the song, I can't get no satisfaction. They, they, there's something there missing, something that should be there and isn't there. But Jesus uh, is here in front of this man, and this man ha has come to the right person. And he's asked the right question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we might have expected that Jesus would have commended him for his lifestyle and then gone on to tell him that salvation was not about how good he is. But rather than do that, Jesus asks him a question. And we see that in verse 18 and 19. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Jesus wants this man to start with the truth that no one is good. And the only one who is completely good is God. And, and this man really, by calling Jesus good, then he is really calling Jesus God and acknowledging that Jesus is God. Now, we know that that's who Jesus is, but this man doesn't know that. And he sees Jesus as a good man, as he sees himself as a good man. This is how many people see Jesus today. They see him as a good person, and they think that by trying to imitate him, to be good like him, that they can earn credit with God. Now Jesus is going to continue as he speaks to this man, and he says to him, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and your mother. Notice that Jesus doesn't mention all the commandments. The ones that he quotes are all about living a good life. And he wants the man to understand that even the best that he can make of living a good life comes nowhere near to God's goodness. And in verse 20, the man says, Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. I imagine that this man was keen to give this answer and I should imagine he gave it with a degree of relief as he's thinking that what he's done is all that is required for him to inherit eternal life. And this is his hope that Jesus will confirm this. And what he was thinking 
that by his goodness, then he was earning eternal life. Now, this young man, sometimes we get the impression that he's arrogant, but I don't think he is. He's not necessarily arrogant. He's not necessarily arrogant. He is just believing what a lot of people believe today. And at this point, he's hearing from Jesus what he wants to hear. And I'm sure he would have been happy and content with this good life that he was leading as he attended the synagogue, as he was reading the scriptures, listening to the rabbis, saying amen to everything that they taught and keeping the commandments, the commandments that he's already told Jesus that he has kept from when he was a child. But there's more that Jesus has to say to him. Look in verse 21, and we read that Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. First thing we notice is that Jesus looked at him and loved him. This is not because he was good. Jesus loved him because Jesus loves the sinner. And this is what this man was. This man thought that by keeping the second half of the commandments, the first half could be ignored. And the man was trusting in his own efforts. And by doing so, was ignoring God. Ten Commandments are in Exodus 20, verse 3 to 16. You have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments there's something in this man's life that he loved more than God and in his case it was his wealth now, Jesus is not saying to him and saying to us that you must give all your money to the poor in order for you to inherit eternal life. What he's saying, as he said to this man, let go of the idol you worship and then follow my way into eternity. We have the words of John 14 verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In our passage in John 10, we read in verse 22 that this man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. The phrase his face fell is more than just him going away sad. 
it was the realization for him that he saw his wealth as being greater than his love for God. We're familiar with the verse, it's quoted in Mark and it's quoted in Matthew, Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Verse 23 of chapter 10. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So first of all, Jesus looked around. He would have looked at everyone, everyone in the crowd as well as his disciples. What do you think he saw? More than likely, the look of confusion on the faces of the people, including the faces of the disciples. So he looked around and then he turned and spoke to the disciples. Now, uh, without him saying the words, do you see? I, I believe this is the tone of his voice as he spoke to them. As if he said, do you see from this how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In other words, what you have just witnessed, do you see from it? Do you see from this reaction from this young man? Do you see the way he turned away and just walked away? Do you see from this how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 24 and 25, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So here he emphasises what he wants them to get hold of, the truth that he wants them to understand. Now I personally don't have any problem taking this illustration literally. It's just as impossible for anyone to earn their salvation as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Yes, even through a sewing needle. It's impossible. Verse 26 to 27. As we can imagine, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. The questions the disciples asked is relevant to what has just happened. What's happened? Well, they've seen a rich young man wanting to know how to inherit, inherit eternal life. They've seen him turn away from Jesus full of sadness after being told that a good life and a big bank balance would not get him into heaven. It's evident from this the disciples were still thinking along similar lines, thinking that their efforts and their lifestyle, that they, they by doing these things, was earning them their way to eternal life. And they asked this question of each other. 
If this good young man who kept the commandments and had enough money to buy for himself anything that he wanted, and if Jesus was confirming that that was not enough for salvation, then who can be saved? Then Jesus shows them where their hope is. And he shows it by revealing to them two simple truths. You can't, but God can. With man, this is impossible. But not with God, because all things are possible with God. And in verse 28, it's Peter who spoke up. It's always Peter, the spokesman for the disciples. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. So again, Peter, the spokesman for the disciples, and I sense that they are trusting that their commitment to Jesus will be enough to secure their salvation. In their own estimation, they cannot come up to the standards of this young man who has claimed to have kept the commandments from his youth. They, the disciples, are not as well educated as this young man. They're certainly not as rich like he is. And in their eyes, he is a really good person. So, they look at what they have done to merit salvation and begin to doubt if they have done enough. Let's remind ourselves at this point of what the man said to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So there's the, the clue there. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's it. Nobody can inherit salvation. Verse 29 to 31. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The clue here is and the gospel. We receive salvation through the power of the gospel and then we enter into the inheritance of eternal life. A couple of verses here that will help us understand this. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And that's all of God. Colossians 3 verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
I wonder what we've learned from this passage this morning, the passage that we are very, I'm sure, familiar with. Well, first of all, we should try to be good, but no amount of goodness that we can achieve will earn salvation. We can be rich, but no amount of wealth can buy us salvation. So, salvation through our efforts is impossible. Well, you may ask the question, why did Jesus tell him to give his money to the poor if that good deed would not save him? Well, Jesus actually said more than that. He said, do that and follow me. Two things that go hand in hand. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. What thoughts are in the man's mind when he heard those words? Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. I think it was something along the lines of this. He just heard those words. And in his mind, can I sell everything and give it to the poor? If I can't, and I know that I can't, then it means that I love what I have more than I love Jesus. And that I put greater value on my wealth than I value my soul. Let me go through that again. We're in the man's mind now. We're thinking of what it was that caused him to, on hearing those words, just turn away and walk away from Jesus. It's because he thought about them. Maybe in this way. Can I sell everything and give it to the poor? If I can't, and I know that I can't, then it means that I love what I have more than I love Jesus. And then it means that I put greater value on my wealth than I value my soul. So the question for us this morning is, what do you value more than your soul? first we've already looked at what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul it's a thought for us to take away with us this morning and to consider we're going to look at uh, some other things next week and they do link in with what we've Head and they link in to what Jesus has said and we're going to think a little bit more next week about what the disciples were thinking. Well, let's just consider again what this man was thinking and think how we will think when we think, what do I value more than my soul? Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for these words and we thank you for the gospel and the truths that are held within your word here. And we know that the gospel will go out this weekend as people maybe will tune into the televisions and YouTube and they will hear sermons and read Bible verses. And Father, we pray that you will open their eyes to the truths we've looked at this morning and that they might consider those words what do I value more than my soul? 
and that they might call to me, nay, call to mine, what you have said to us through your word, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. Our Father, we ask you to continue blessing upon us now as we continue in your presence. And we bring these things before you in his lovely name, the name of Jesus. Amen.